Uh, there's one that I really wanted to play. It's the Euro Truck Simulator 2016. <laughs> literally, is this a thing? It's a game. Mm-hmm. Okay. You just drive big rigs around and try not to get into accidents. That's <laughs> basically it. They're, really what? Just, like Sweden. they're super popular. Oh, that's we- it's You know, really you strange. could just get a job driving a truck and get paid to do that. Maybe it's too cold. It's Sweden, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, like all those farming simulators mm-hmm. and the bus simulators. Big in Germany, too. They love that shit. Yeah. You should know. I do know. You grew up there. I did. I know. Not Sweden. Germany. <laughs> Germany. You would have if they won. I <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to The Legend of Things, a podcast about video games, cool media, and excellent British accents, Governor. And these are your hosts, Sean, Jonathan, and Danny. You know, there's a new one on Steam that's popular that makes no sense why it's popular. And it's like Goat Simulator or some shit. And I don't remember what it Bear is. Bear Simulator? There is a bear simulator. That's the one where the dev got all butthurt. Yeah, I didn't read that. I tried to read that article, but it was blocked at work. Oh, lame. Basically, uh, he got a bunch of Kickstarter money and put out a semi-decent game, but it's got like 77% positive, which is pretty good if you're an indie first-time developer. He never developed a game before. Totally. Um, But he got all butthurt about it. Why? About making a bunch of money? Yeah, well, I don't know if he even did. Like, I don't know if he recouped, but... Oh, oh, sure, sure. I guess he had issue with the negative reviews he was getting. And he the, couldn't handle the... And the patches that people wanted him to put on the game. So he was just like, I quit. Oh, well, that's for, his prerogative. For the bear? Yeah. The bear. Okay. Yeah, that seemed interesting. I think... Um, have you talked about the YouTube PewDiePie talking about him? No. Okay. That was the part that I think was fucked up. Because he has so many subscribers, and to unilaterally, like, destroy this guy's vision was yeah. kind of... Yeah. A misuse of his own power. Yeah. So so one, what, um, YouTube guy just yeah. tore it apart yeah. and maligned it and then, and then ruined he, the perspective of all his followers ostensibly. Basically, yes. And just pushed the guy over the edge. Yeah. Well, that's a different perspective that. on it. Yeah. yeah. It is a perspective, but I mean, to, I don't know, I haven't played the game, obviously, but to single-handedly ruin somebody's vision is just, it seems negligent. It's... True, and it's a misuse of power, but at the same time, like as a game developer, you have to be open to criticism. That is true, too. As in any artistic medium, people aren't going to like it. Yes. Guaranteed yeah. there will be people that vehemently hate it. And, and you know, he if, could have come back and bet Midler the whole thing. What? He could come back and be like, enough of your nude selfies, <laughs> PewDiePie. What? <laughs> <laughs> I am so confused. Uh, it's, you know... Kim Kardashian put out a nude selfie and Bette Midler was like, you should do something better with your time. Oh. So he could have been like <laughs> Bette Midler in this analogy and been like, it's so that's rare great. for me to not get like a, like a reference a like Bette that. A Bette Midler reference? Yeah, totally. I'm a big, I'm a Bette head. <laughs> but I was so confused. Welcome to The Legend of Things, episode four, maybe... Pop. We're going to talk about a few things, um, video game-esque and mm-hmm. media-esque, mm-hmm. like we do. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to rant about Until Dawn. Yeah, I want to hear all of your knowledges and thoughts. My knowledges. Because I may want to get it 
for ten dollars at <laughs> yeah. some point. Yeah, I'm sure it will be ten dollars eventually. I yeah. got it on special. I don't know, twenty on bucks PlayStation? on PlayStation. Um, <clears throat> so I I I liked it at first, and then I hated it, mm. and then I liked it again. Interesting. And then I really really loved it, and then I liked it again. So now oh. I like it. So it's. <laughs> So it's taking you through the paces really, as the game is developed. It has, which is, I guess, kind of a meta version of the game itself. Okay, that's so, <laughs> all right. <laughs> we got a lot to get into here. So, okay, for, first of all, it, it got nominated for Innovation on the BAFTA Awards, which I think is well-founded. Okay. Um, <clears throat> the idea of the game is it, it's very cinematic. Like, it's basically... It's like a teen horror film, right? It very much is, yeah. absolutely. And Hayden... Hannah, Pen and paper is uh, is in it, and she <laughs> is uh, the the lead. She's gonna be so mad <laughs> when she hears this. Uh, Peter Stormare, who we love, who's we, not gonna be mad. No, he is just the best. Yeah. Did you guys see that movie with him where there's like a there's like a space prison? Um, yeah, with uh, a guy um, Pierce. Guy, yes, Guy Pierce. Yeah, lockdown. I was hoping lockdown. Guy yeah. Fury. Oh, Man, yeah. that was a cool movie. Lockdown was good. I and it was like low budget script wise. Maybe Sci- there's a spaceship in it. There is a <laughs> there is a spaceship, <laughs> but there's you know people with face tattoos who are shooting other. Anyway, yeah. Great so they, movie. The, the basis of that one is uh, there's a space prison and the president's daughter is doing a tour of space prisons because she's like a philanthropist and she's trying to make sure she everything. wants to expose the space prison for cruelty. Right, That's and then. All the space prisoners get out, and they take the president's daughter hostage on the space station, and then they send in Guy Pierce of the Time Traveler fame, which, is not, one of, which fame. is not one of his best movies. Was he in Prometheus? He was. He was the old dude. He was prosthetic-wearing old guy really? in Prometheus. Yeah. Interesting. The, and the reason is, tangent upon tangent. <laughs> <laughs> was Is Lockdown uh, in the Alien canon? Is that what no. you're trying to tell me? No. It's a prequel to Prometheus? <laughs> no. Oh. The, the reason that they chose Guy Pierce and put him in a ton of prosthetics is because they did a bunch of pre-marketing for it. And one of those was like a futuristic uh, TED Talk. And it was given by oh. current oh, right. young-faced Guy Pierce, oh. who was talking about Wayland yutani and the things yeah. they were trying to do. So they kept him on to be prosthetic-wearing old Wayland. I think he was Peter Wayland. He that's must who have he been. was. Yeah. Um, and that's why... Guy Wait, Pierce. wasn't Waylon um, Hen- Lance Henriksen in the Alien vs. Predator movies? I think you're right. Because he's Bishop. He is right? Bishop. But he was in the Alien vs. Predator movies. He is like, I'm the head of Hubba Dub Dub Dub. And then he gets like, <laughs> he gets turned into cubes by a net or something. No, that's, I think that's the other guy, but yeah. I think he was Warren Hubba Dub 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 yeah. in the canon. Oh, and then you think. Um, Guy Pierce is his son or something? Something like that. Yeah. But I think in Alien 3, though, he shows up at the end as the real bishop, quote-unquote. The real, the not-android bishop. Not-android bishop. Like, Which or, is, okay. Yeah. But I don't know if he was Peter Wayland in that. I'm very, okay. But We've rabbit-holed we, <laughs> into alien lore, which Danny can talk about at length. For years. Uh, so anyway, Guy Pierce is the same character in Lockdown that he is in Aliens. Go. <laughs> okay, so Until Dawn is, <laughs> is basically a teen horror movie, an interactive teen horror movie. And you have these, I don't know, six or seven main characters who you jump between and you get to control the action of. Um, and you can, 
it has a sub-menu screen. You click R1, and you can see, based on whoever you're controlling at the time, what that character's emotional state is um, based on, um, uh, I think it's like courage, humor, romance, um, bravery, same as courage. I don't know. Is it is it on a bar system? It is. Okay. It is. So you have emotions on one side. You have characters on the other side. So you can see how character X... Um, is currently relating to character Y based on the decisions that you make in the game. Okay. So, for instance, these other two NPCs are fighting between each other, having a little cat fight. Girl tiff. And based on who you support, it's like, do you think Emily's an asshole in this, or do you get behind Ashley <laughs> Does in this? it, like, give you that specific prompt? Yes. Oh. It does. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> uh, which is an interesting QuickTime event. If you think about it. Yeah. So it's it's very narrative driven. So okay. Emily and Ashley are fighting. Um, you choose to back up Emily in this. Then you can look at your stats and suddenly Ashley's pissed at you. Yeah. Meanwhile. Uh, this is just a high school simulator. Yeah. <laughs> very much. <laughs> yeah. With monsters. Mm. Spoiler. <laughs> Uh, there's a separate screen, which is butterfly effect, and based on the choice you make, every once in a while, it's like, butterfly effect. Does it actually say it like that? Mm, uh, it's yeah. like a Mortal Kombat toasty it does. <laughs> situation. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, and you can go to that screen and see how your previous actions affected an action that you just took. Okay. So it's like very multi-layered. So there's, yeah, so you can make a choice early that has reverberating repercussions later. Right. Hence Butterfly Effect. Exactly. Yeah, okay. So that's a mechanic that's interesting to me. I've never seen a game like this. It's certainly innovative. I didn't like it at first because it felt like, and this is an argument that I will make as to whether or not the game is actually scary, because it's a horror horror game. Right. Like, it's a survival game. But the fact that you're choosing between conversational elements... Not very scary? Not super scary. Um, it, it, it feels like the quick time events and there are some action prompts that you can take that just get so annoying. Well, um, can I describe one? Okay. So you, you, you walk around looking for clues. Reasonable. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you walk into the, for example, you walk into the kitchen and the, if there's something, if there's an element that you can interact with that has a clue that you need, it's got a little blinking light on it. Sure. So you walk over there Instead of pressing X and the character stoops down automatically, opens it, and finds the clue, it's like press X, you stoop down. Press R2, you grab, this is literally how it goes, you grab the door. Press back on your control panel, it opens the door. Mm -hmm. Press R2 again, you grab the clue, and you're like, just fucking grab the clue. So... Go on. Um, and John John can probably comment more on this than I can, but that is, um, there's a game that came out for what, PlayStation 2? Yeah, it was a sequel to Indigo Prophecy, thematically. I forget the name of it. Well, we know the name of this game. It's a really good game. Paper Origami Murderer. Yeah, Hard Rain. Heavy hard, Rain. Heavy Rain. Heavy Rain. Oh, I've seen that on the PlayStation Yeah, store. so it had a, um, a very similar system that uh, you'd have to hold down in order to move down. Weird cumbersome R2, buttons. R2, L1, in order to open something and to grab something. But based on the difficulty, it would increase the number of buttons that you'd have to hit or yeah. the pattern in which you'd have to hit the buttons. And based on your character's stress level, it would shake those boxes around significantly. Oh, so it would be really okay. hard to focus. Well, if something like that was in it, mm-hmm. that would be different. Something not – okay, so that's not – This is like arbitrary. Okay. Like, ah, that's And it's the, same, it's the same combination of buttons for every character and in every situation. Sure. Like, 
press X, press R2, hold down the joystick. It's like, okay, just... I get, Why yeah. don't you just do it for me? If they did the the heavy rain round, mm-hmm. I would totally understand that. Yeah, but because in heavy rain there was this one submission that I always force people to play. I, I played I it. Played it was it. great. I actually, you know, I yeah, kicked it's uh, you play as one of the investigators in the story, and you go into this taxidermist house, and the goal is to uncover the serial killer before you know he kills anybody else. Mm-hmm. You get upstairs, you find all these people that have been stuffed, all these women that have been stuffed and like blood dry. And they're sitting in weird, now you have like taxidermied, yeah, yeah. taxidermied. But they're in positions like the traditional '50s housewife with the gown on, or I'm sorry, the apron on, doing something in the kitchen. They're all like pin sitting up. on the couch, yeah, pinup style. Yeah, and of course, as you discover this, he comes home and comes into the driveway. Mm-hmm. So now you're using the stress mechanic and trying to stealth past him and escape, or you could get brutally murdered by this guy. Or try to get the cops there, or try to burn the house down. Different or, options. Yeah. Tons of different ways to do it. But the way that they included the stress in that really complicated movement and interaction system was extremely well done. It's terrifying. That sounds like really your heart cool. goes nuts because yeah. you're like, oh God, oh God, like I gotta. And mm-hmm. the controls suck. Those kinds of mechanics make a game scary. Yes. Like when a game really elevates your heart and gets you going. Like, if they're just making you go through all these hoops to open a drawer, that's a little disappointing. It is. It's super arbitrary to me. I, don't, I just don't get it. Well, why, don't, why don't I just press X and you pick up the clue and we'll look at the clue? If it has no bearing, like, if you could fail and not pick it up, I guess. Like, you're so bad at picking stuff up. <laughs> like, then maybe it would have some kind of implication. But it's like, oh, I can't open this drawer. My hands are covered in butter. Like, <laughs> something happened. I don't know. And I was going to say, the, the controls... Well, we'll just talk about that. The controls are cumbersome. Yeah. Like, it's hard to turn around in some uh, some places. It has a fixed perspective of the camera uh, where, like, in Resident Evil, it, it's positioned at one place in the room. Right. And you kind of walk around these other articles in the room. And it's contextual based on the camera. Right. Your direction, right? But you're, like, say you're walking through the woods and it switches perspective. You were walking away from the camera. Now you're walking towards the camera. Uh, you walk the back control on chain, Yeah, you mm-hmm. walk... Uh, it drives me insane. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. And the way that the cam... Depending on where the camera is, you have to find all these clues and if you have a giant room, you're walking for no reason to every corner of the room just in case there is a clue. Yeah. Um, and and it because it'll only what change the angle once you get to wherever it is, probably, so you can see it. Or it won't change the angle at all, and you just kind of walk off screen that's like true. you're in a sitcom. <laughs> 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 but no, there's supernatural stuff that's really cool in the game, which I, I, there. You know how we feel about supernatural things. We like them, indeed. In general, we're fans. But I did not, from all of these things together, the arbitrary controls, the fixed perspective. The fact that you're making decisions based on how you get along with Ashley, yeah, as opposed to <laughs> is that the Hayden pan, pants on fire? Yes, Ashley, it yeah. is. I think. I think that's Ashley. Um, Generic white girl name. Yes, Kristen. It, <laughs> Jessica. I, that's my sister. And Jennifer. I, okay, I know all of those people. Kimberly. I don't know Kimberly. Janessa. Janessa. <laughs> with a J. You're just making shit up now. All right, let's keep going. Courtney. Oh, yeah. Uh, a good one. We talked about this in episode one when we were talking about um, 
M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> Shyamalama Ding Dong. So the thing that he, the, um, the trope that he uses where you're scared of things that you can't see. Mm-hmm. And that's why I found Soma scary, for instance, because there was a lot of unknown to me and I was like trying to run away. But the fact that you are dealing with arbitrary movement and clunky controls and you're dealing with Ashley's bullshit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the fact that you're making quick time event decisions, it doesn't feel like I am really in control of these characters. Well, it takes you out of the experience because so, you're like, why would you turn backwards right now? Cause the camera changed. Well, not only right. that, but I mean, if, if I have to press triangle and I either make the jump or I don't make the jump, that's not control to me. Sure. So the fact that either way I know exactly what's going to happen, it it doesn't feel as dreadful as mm-hmm. the unknown. For because it's like a, a pass-fail. Yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. You know if you fail this quick time event, you will die. Right. And I can go on and on about quick time. It's it's done well. <laughs> well like Telltale games, I love the quick time events, but these are kind of... And those are good because generally there's different outcomes right. based on that. Like, for example, in Hard Rain, I remember in the demo, you would Heavy get... Rain. Oh, I'm sorry. Heavy Hard Rain is a Christian Slater film. <laughs> <laughs> is it so, really? Yeah, it's not good. It's also a Left 4 Dead 2 map. Oh. it's Or campaign, right? Yeah. Well, so Heavy it's Rain. It's also what I don't. entitled my autobiography. Yes. Okay. So in um, Heavy <laughs> Rain, rain. <laughs> Heavy Rain, <laughs> um, I remember in the demo, you, you got to play as a private investigator who's this kind of overweight, middle-aged gentleman who's like a washed up classic PI kind of thing, wears a trench coat, you know, stuff like that. Um, initially, you can get in a fist fight with someone, and you can, if you do well, you will come out on top. You'll beat the guy senseless. If you do poorly, he will beat the shit out of you. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the outcome changes based on that. You don't die. Like, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, but that's the same with Wolf Among Us. Like, the first 10, 20 minutes of it is yeah, fist fight QTEs. Meaning to get into that one big time. But, um, and you know, it's it's one of those things where you don't know what's going to happen because there's no like finite end to that scenario. Yeah. You know, you, you're not, you, you lost a fist fight, restart the level. Like there's nothing like that. And I think those, those are huge, especially for quick time events. Those are the only time that those work. It is. But also that's for, it seems like both games, those are the only real game mechanics that they have. It's quick time events and choices. Yeah. And yeah. Guided discovery. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it is the primary focus of the game as opposed to like something in the Witcher two where you're, you know, a hack and slash warrior. And then out of nowhere for a boss fight, a quick time event appears. It's like, why is this even here? Oh, and the Witcher two, those were, I stopped playing the Witcher two on the first boss fight because I could not figure it out. Mm -hmm. And I didn't come back to it for maybe like you couldn't figure out that you needed to do. I couldn't figure out how the quick time worked, like where to go to trigger it and stuff like that. And I just kept dying and I got super frustrated because it's a hard fight. Yeah. You know, and I'd like get to the end. I'm like, yeah, I killed it. And then it's like quick time event. I'm like, oh, <laughs> and then when you beat the quick time event, it doesn't die and you're still in danger. And there's something else you have to do to trigger another cutscene, essentially. And I couldn't figure that out. And I stopped playing the game for like four months, came back, watched a video on it. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, I should go back and play that. Played it, beat the whole game in the next like two weeks. 30 minutes. Yeah, no, <laughs> if only. But it's one of those things where like. If it's not clear, it can easily turn you off of something, yeah. even if it it's great. It can derail a game yeah. easily. And Witcher 2 I, I, is one of my favorite games. It's good. Ever. Yeah. You know, now that I've beat it and got past that little stupid hump. But, um, you know, quick time events can make or break something. And in a lot of instances, they break it. Yeah. And 
I think the quick time events in this are contextually okay. They're a lot better than press these six series of buttons to open this drawer. Sure. Um, but it, it takes away from the dread of the game. Like, for instance, we talked about Gone Home a little bit, or maybe we didn't. But I think Gone we Home on is it just. And we have talked about it. It's. Um, it's full of dread. You don't know what's going on, and that's like a, the big draw of the game. I, th- I think that makes it really immersive, um, and I don't get that with Until Dog. Is it because you know specifically that there is other things going on, though? No. In Gone Home? No, I mean in Until Dawn. Like ah. in Until Dawn, you know there are supernatural elements slash axe murder, etc. Yes. So in Gone Home... You don't. That you don't. It's right. all preconceived notions that bring that dread out in you. Yeah. Like you start the game and it feels like another horror game. Right. And so you assume that those feelings and those experiences are going to come back. And it made me nervous. It made forces, me extremely nervous. Yeah, it forces you into that headspace. Yeah. And until Donnie, you know, it's a, it's a very cinematic. It's very teen horror movie. So that that's from the get-go. That's yeah. to be expected. Sure. Does anyone ever say I'll be right back? <laughs> yeah, that's like, like that's, that's all. That, that's important. Every single character <laughs> says like it's you can either support Emily or support Ashley or, or be, be right like, back. I'll be right back, and then you just walk off. And Matthew right. Lillard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be right back. Oh no. I mean, it's an interesting mechanic, and when I come when I come at the game from the perspective that this is a major mechanic of the game mm-hmm. that you can see the emotional stability or lack thereof of each character as yeah. you control them that's interesting to me like from a storytelling perspective that's interesting it was just kind of a clunky thing to control okay so so that's interesting because last time podcast we talked about this i was super interested and now that we've <laughs> talked about it in more detail i am completely disinterested yeah, yeah. peter stormare is great he's though. so good you know what's creepy peter when, stormare yes <laughs> but also when animals get together and do weird things. Right. The creepiest part of this game was when... Spoiler. You and Emily, I suppose. Sure. And you're controlling, I don't know, Matt. Uh-huh. Uh, you're out in the Raiden. woods. Raiden. Yeah. <laughs> you're out in the woods, and you turn around, and there's a herd of deer staring at you. Oh, that's terrifying. That's creepy as shit. Deers are skittish, skittish animals. And that reminds me of The Ring 2, I yeah. think, where that There was happened. a deer that attacked the car. Yes. Yeah. And then there was a group of deer who converged on the car. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's the creepiest part of the game for me so far. There are jump scares, though. Yeah. Um, there's one in particular that got me. I had oh. just eaten a bag of sriracha chips. <laughs> I, I was feeling a little skittish anyway. And this ghost just jumps out, and I lost my shit. Was it actually a ghost? See, undetermined. Yeah. Do you want me to? Uh, I'll I'll watch it. I mean, we'll we'll get into it, or yeah. I'll watch a video or something. But and I like, don't want to deter people from playing the game. Like, I do. it's an interesting experience. <laughs> sure. And maybe the fact that I'm telling you about it, you know everything you need to know now. Maybe. But it's it's certainly if you're into storytelling and creative ways to draw the narrative forward. It's interesting. I think the fact that it is considered for those BAFTA awards to me is intriguing Yeah, because I've listened to a few podcasts about it and they've been non-plus, I'd say. Mm -hmm. But um, the fact that it's nominated says something unless they just pay people to nominate the game, which is (laughs) also possible. Oh, and they're stiff upper lip. They can't be bought. They're like... (laughs) right. You can pay me three pence, and oh. I'll put your That's three game on the, on the on the trolley on the telly, and 
The inner what just netting. happened? I don't know. <laughs> Danny's having a stroke. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so oh my confused. God. But yeah, that's that's all I got about until dawn. Well, I'm mm-hmm. I'm um, less excited about it than I was when we last talked about it. But I mean, it still does sound like it has some interesting mechanics and is worth looking at. It's intriguing if you have the free time and want to put down ten or however many dollars it'll it'll cost. And I think you know it was worth. I don't know, put it I down at ten or fifteen dollars, and I'll buy it. I mean, okay. that's like we discussed. I'll know. make some calls. Yeah, please do. <laughs> Call Steam. Um, what else we got? What else we got? Uh, let's. Oh, let's talk about No Man's Sky. Yeah, <laughs> let's talk about No Man's Sky. I watched the trailer for the first time because I saw a friend of mine posted that they had pre-ordered No Man's Sky, and yeah. it's like three months away. Yeah, I think pre-order for that opened like last week. That's yeah. That seems to be the general trend now is three oh, months in advance. That's ridiculous. You know, we could talk about pre-order, but let's not. Okay. Um, I almost started to, so okay, thank no, you. Go for, ahead. No, thanks for stopping me. It'll, it's you just say what you want to say. Go ahead. I think the pre-order thing can be interesting if they give you cosmetic things. Yes. I don't like pre-order. I like pre-ordering games because I'm excited for something and I want to know that I'm going to have it when I want to have it. Mm-hmm. You know, but I don't like it when they ruin the early game experience by giving you stuff that is messes up the balance of the early game stuff. Like it's too powerful for what your character yeah. should have at the beginning. Yeah, and I will and the thing is when I have pre-ordered games that give me that stuff and I start using it, I stop using it cuz it ruins the game for me initially. And really the time I need to be most invested in a game is when I start playing it. Yes. And you I don't feel in a progression. Yeah. I mean, if you have a weapon that's overpowered initially, then there's no draw to improve yourself immediately. Exactly. And then, you know, also with pre-order stuff, cosmetic stuff is always a plus for me. Uh, the division did it with cosmetic things, and I appreciate that. Um, I also don't like it when they give you things that you can't get otherwise. <laughs> yes, because that's stupid. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, like pre-order Destiny Two, uh, which is going to come out next <laughs> spring, probably. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, get this special jet bike or whatever they call them, Condor Falcon Sparrow Sparrow. Yeah, bird. <laughs> this bird motorcycle, <laughs> you know, that you can only get if you pre-order. Oh, wait, birder cycle. Okay, go on murder cycle because <laughs> you can run over enemies with it you can't yeah, you can't you fly over it them. kills them nah sometimes oh not all the time well good thing i don't play destiny anymore <laughs> 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 moving on anyway so um that's my thing about pre-orders and i do like for example we just looked at my fallout pre-order stuff i like it when they give you tangible fun things mm-hmm. you know like i got the pit boy edition and mm-hmm. it, was, it was expensive but I really like Fallout, and I'm super stoked to have the big case and the and the Pip Boy, yeah, and all that stuff. You know, it's like the division if it came with the the survival guide, mm-hmm. which no one knew about. I would have been super excited about which that. Which everyone now knows about because everyone. they listen to our podcast. Seven people, take, <laughs> including all of our close friends. Yeah. <laughs> My wife yeah. already has the book. Well, she'll just use yours. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, she paid for it. <laughs> okay. So, well, yeah. I thought you were going to talk about how pre-orders ruin games because they don't um, take into account focus testing and stuff that goes on before the game. Hmm. I, I mean? did not even consider that as a topic. Oh. Like, how do you mean? We're talking about it. Yeah. We said we weren't going to. <laughs> we I'd prefer not to. But there's an argument about you shouldn't pre-order games because then you're paying for a game that has not been reviewed yet, like professionally reviewed and vetted. Um, so you can't actually make an informed decision about whether or not the game is good. Sure. 
I think there is a point to that, but as consumers, I, I think we do that 80% of the time anyway. Yeah. You know? I mean, it, how is that different from, like, oh, I bought a tomato, I didn't review it first. <laughs> you know? Like, I took I a look know. at it, it looked good. After the number of AAA games that are out and have been on pre-order for a full 60 bucks have shown themselves to be complete garbage, I will no longer pre-order a game. Just because the odds of it being good are very slim. But if it's an indie game that I'm pre-ordering, I have a much higher chance of actually doing that. That's interesting. The lower price point helps, though, too. It I does, completely agree with that. And I I kickstart a lot mm-hmm. of stuff. Yeah. Like, too much stuff. <laughs> Probably. There is, like, a Bert with tattoos sticker. Like, Bert from Bert and Ernie. Yeah. <laughs> I kickstarted that. You kickstarted a sticker? Yes. Okay. And <laughs> When you say it like that. <laughs> uh. <laughs> when, but games especially like i love throwing money at indie games through kickstarter and that's kind of a pre-order i think it is a pre-order it's an acceptable one though because indie games tend to go above and beyond and try to push the boundaries of what games can be as opposed to painting by numbers (laughs) which triple a games tend to do now yeah well not that we haven't been burned by that i mean john and i both pre-ordered this game this it's kind of infamous on on kickstarter uh, Greedmonger, which I'm pretty sure was just a ploy to get money. I think so. But it was supposed to be like a spiritual successor to Ultima Online, uh, okay. um, which we were super stoked about. And mm-hmm. then it just never came out. So anyway, but um, I've gotten plenty of stuff on Kickstarter that's great. Yes. And you also get a great savings generally on Kickstarter. It's true. Like I kickstarted uh, the Numenera computer mm-hmm. game and I got Wasteland 2 for free with it for this for $40. I got two full price games. Oh, yeah. And I will always take advantage of those kinds of offers. And the new Monero game hasn't even come out yet. And I probably kickstarted that two to three years ago. But it's close. It's on the same engine as uh, Pillars of Eternity from Obsidian, which was awesome. And just based on, I think it's the same writer that came from uh, Planescape Torment. It's a bunch of them. What's his name? Chris Avalon? Yeah. So he's involved, which is going to be an amazing experience nonetheless. And I have the physical copy of the uh, Numenera rules. Yeah. And just based on that alone, it's going to be a really fun game. Yeah. How did we get on Numenera? Kickstarter. No, no. Kickstarted we, a bunch of stuff. Before that. It was before that. What were we uh, talking about before that? No Man's Sky. No Man's Sky. Oh, right. I we went all over the place <laughs> on that one. Okay. I have a friend who pre-ordered it already, and I, w- I am tempted to because it looks so good. Like, conceptually, yeah, it is very intriguing to me. Yeah, and I think my reservation with that is it's very um, ambitious. It's a very ambitious project. Hugely. Yeah. Hugely ambitious. Almost too ambitious. You know, it's like uh, it's like, like the same kind of thing with um, what's Star that game? Citizen. Star Citizen. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Where it's like we're gonna have everything in this mm-hmm. game. Yeah. Like, you want to open up a turnip stand on the space station? Go for it. Yeah, we got we turnip. Have the mechanics for that. Three D turnip models <laughs> down pat. You know, we got this stuff. Three D turnip models. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things where it looks really neat both of them do really star citizen i'm convinced will never come out no it's It's possible it's gonna come out but it's not gonna work i have a copy of the game but in every single version of it i played it runs terribly and even on new hardware yeah and there's nothing to do and it glitches like crazy with no man's sky i only saw the first e3 video 
two mm-hmm. years ago now? The new one isn't that different. Okay, so as far as my recollection of this, you can fly around, explore various planets, land, discover new things, new creatures that are spawned just based on the ecology of the planet it's itself. It's a world seed, yeah. It's interesting because they're procedurally generated. So whenever you enter a solar system or you get close enough to something, it will create a planet mm-hmm. out of factors, right? So the factors, it'll factor in whatever based on the criteria they have set up. And from what I understand, which I thought was really interesting reading about it initially, is the chance of finding a a planet with actual life, like a fully lush planet, is very low. Oh, interesting. Because mostly in in the universe, the building blocks for actual life are scarce. You know, so you go to a lot of planets that are barren. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't have anything or they could just be like acid oceans you can't go in and stuff like that. Matt Damon will be there. Matt Damon will (laughs) be there. (laughs) Angry. Jerk. I just watched Interstellar. Don't trust that guy. I just watched it like last week or two weeks ago. Okay. It was good. No. I liked it. The I liked planet. it until it got all magic y on me. Murph. It's love. Murph. Yeah, it's glove. <laughs> He's like, I pushed these books off the shelf. <laughs> Murph. All right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, spoilers. <laughs> I think it, it has a lot of potential and it's just too ambitious to pre order. Also, the pre-order things for this are game-breaking early things. No. It's like, hey, you get this special, like, gun that breaks down matter you can protect yourself with. There's a different ship that you get with it. There's stuff like that where I read that and I'm like, not into it. Not into the pre-order because I don't want those things. I want to make my own better ship and Mm -hmm. do all that kind of stuff. So. so is there a crafting element to the game? I believe there is. It's alluded to? Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I think to get distance from your ship, mm-hmm. you have to, like, build better parts of it. Oh, okay. You can break down stuff, I know, specifically in the world, so I assume there's a there's some sort of crafting. Unless awesome. you just bring X things to your ship and it straps on, a, like, duct tapes another engine <laughs> to the back or something. <laughs> but um, super ambitious, super excited for it, too far away to really hang my hat on it, I guess. True. So, Chad, if you're listening. Yeah, Chad. Stop pre-ordering shit. <laughs> oh, Chad pre-ordered it? Yeah. Oh, Chad. Chad. He's the best. He is the best. <laughs> okay. What else are we going to talk about? Oh, we're going to talk about things in a new feature called In the Wangs. In the Wangs. <laughs> Which is cool. funny because we say wangs. It's, cl- it's wings, but wings. we say it different. It is. We spell it with an A yeah. so that it's wangs. Wangs. Is what we did there. Um, just waiting off to the side. <laughs> Let's talk about yours first. Uh, mine? <laughs> yeah. Um, so my In the Wangs <clears throat> that I'm games. So games we're looking forward to that we either haven't played or are coming out soon. Or are in our libraries and just we're just waiting. need to get to them. Um, I'm looking forward to Dark Souls 3. I've never been a huge fan of the series. I always like them in theory, but they're too hard. <laughs> they are. Um, they're hard. like the hardest games. They're so it's, fun. Though. You Google them and it just says hard. Yeah, pretty much. Like I have Demon Souls for PlayStation, what, three? Yeah, it must have been. Three. Um, And I thought it was great. And man, did I play that first level a million times. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's the hardest one of the series. (laughs) Well, I had trouble with all of them. And I I have this issue where I always make new characters. I'm like, I want to try this. I want (laughs) to try that. So after getting some Bloodborne under my belt, I really want to see if I can do better at those games. (laughs) And I do like the just the complete fuck you of like walk up a staircase, get hit with a boulder. It's like, ah, oh, it's like super upsetting, but at the same time, you're like, well, that's pretty hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I mean, all the stuff that From Software does, the controls are tight. Yes. Mm-hmm. They are great. The, the controls are never the problem. 
it's it's the error of the hands using the controller. <laughs> yeah. You know, and there's never like a gripe where you're like, this game is crap because if you die, it is your fault. That can 100%. be said about the newer ones, Dark Souls 2 and Bloodborne in particular. But the ones before that, they all had bullshit moments, like the boulder coming down the stairs, the pitfalls, but they tended to move away from that and put the focus on the player learning and adapting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is much more much more engaging. Rather than, oh, yeah, I need to watch out for the boulder that's going to insta-kill me when I well, turn this corner. Yeah, and you know, to that point, the, the penalties have definitely lessened for that. Like in Demon's Souls, when you died, you came back with half your total health. It's like, yeah. hey, do the thing you just did that you died at with half of your resources. <laughs> it's like, hey, that boss you couldn't beat? Do it with less life. <laughs> you're like, oh, great. Like, I would love to get hit with this ooze shield monster more. <laughs> Arguably the easiest boss in that entire game. Well, it is the first boss. Yeah, I know. That's Demon's Souls. That's the first the original, one. Yeah. yeah. When is Dark Souls three out? A couple April? months. It's up on pre-order now. So I think it's uh, next month. Three months or less. I'm not pre-ordering it. If it had some cool hard media, then I would. Like, like an action figure or a book. <laughs> I love that stuff. Yeah. Actually, if that can give you something to make the game easier, I'd probably, <laughs> I'd probably <laughs> do it. <laughs> That's the exception. <laughs> what are you looking forward to? Uh, this game came out, it's an MMO, actually, for PC called Black Desert Online. And it came out on the 3rd of March, but I haven't had a chance to put too much time into it. But it um, is adding a lot of mechanics to the MMO industry that I have not yet seen. And it seems that there are layers upon layers upon layers of these mechanics that are really going to make it engaging for clans and guild play. So as a guild, you can actually take over and influence a town and have it become yours. So any trade routes that are all player made that come through that town, you can tax, but you are in charge with protecting that trade route from other player bandits, things like that. So the overarching crafting system where you can send out your little minions in order to gather materials so that you can craft the best materials or I'm sorry, the best products is going to be very engaging because it's going to require a lot of player cooperation. And not only that, the controls are tight the gameplay is actually fun for a Korean. I think it was Korean based MMO yeah, initially. Yeah, it's, it's it's been out in Korea. I want to say for a year or two yeah. already, and for, they just brought it to the states. For being a Korean MMO, it's not grind heavy, which is really unusual because usually the Korean games are ones that you just spend hours killing the same mob over and over in order to grind out a level. Yeah, but in this one, it seems like your options are nearly endless, and so I'm really looking forward to putting more time into that and seeing what comes of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was super excited for that one too, and I will definitely be picking it up at some point. I just got to find time in the busy in the busy gaming schedule. It's but, also um, following the um, no monthly fee mm-hmm. for an MMO, which is very refreshing to see. And the initial uh, price is thirty bucks, which is also surprising. Yeah, lower price point, no monthly fee, like and it Guild looks Wars, gorgeous. Yeah, like Guild Wars Two. It's a beautiful game. the The graphics are great. The character creator is super deep. One thing, there's a couple of things I don't like. The classes are gender locked. True. Which shouldn't be a problem, but it's kind of weird. Like, I would rather choose if mm-hmm. I want to be a dude or a chick. I, I've played both in games. I don't really care, but um, it's very Korean to have it gender locked. Yes. And um, the action combat is great. It plays like a fighting game, except you're clicking with your mouse and, and modifying your actions with the keyboard, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. And I like that you can hire goblins to be your workers. 
that's that's huge for me. That's one of the interesting things with the hotkeys. They're trying to get away from what WoW and other MMOs do with numbers, just hitting a number to use a spell or a skill. Now they give you a keyboard shortcut. So like backwards and S will, or I'm sorry, backwards and E will cast a certain spell. Hmm. So if you use it in this way, it'll actually reduce the resource cost that that spell takes or deal some extra damage on top of it. So it's oh. trying to stay away from spam clicking or just mashing your number pad. Yeah. Instead, it's trying to get you to be actively engaged in the combat. It also kind of forces uh, a bit of expertise building. Mm-hmm. It does. Yeah. It's definitely a skill. A lot of the... And most of these Korean games have a very high focus on player versus player combat at the they higher do. levels. And in some games, it, the skill definitely shows through. And this is one of the games where it seems like being better at those things, you can potentially take out guys that are higher level than you or have better gear than you if you can make up for it with pressing the right buttons, parrying at the right times. Active dodge is a thing, too. Yeah, active dodge is great. I'm really interested to see what happens when I put some more time into that. Yeah, and then I'm sure I'll watch John play it a little bit and then (laughs) lose my damn mind and have to get it and just completely throw off my whole schedule. How about you, Danny? What's your game, Danny? Um, Tacoma by Fulbright. They did Gone Home, and I loved Gone Home. We've touched on Gone Home a little bit, but it's basically, there's no HUD. It's basically all guided discovery and piecing together the puzzles of what happened in this house. And it's, from what I can tell, Tacoma looks like Gone Home in space. Which is, I mean, there's a spaceship. There's no, there's number one right there. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Sold. It looks like a really cool game. I I think that the the basis of the game is um, you wake up in a spaceship. Nobody's there, but you can see like these echoes of people who were in the spaceship, and that's how you build the narrative around it. Yeah. So you just move around the spaceship and discover new uh, areas and clues. Uh, and certain parts of the spaceship have gravity and certain parts do not. So you use the gravity to discover other portions of the ship. It just looks really interesting. It's a game that I wish I had made myself. Like if I made a game, this would be the game that I would want to make. Interesting. Um, And I watched the trailer um, that you sent me and it looks super interesting. The graphics are great. Like you said, it models your arms. Oh, which is super important. I'm, does it have chest too? I don't think we saw chest and legs. No, it's just at arms. It was one of like the big high points of that game we just played. Firewatch. Firewatch. He had a full body. Full body. So rare. Not just a <laughs> disembodied head floating around. <laughs> but it was it was pretty. It was yeah. very pretty, and it looks very interesting. The there's Echo's a portion. Cool. There's a portion of the trailer where uh, you see the hand, the first person hands, and they're signing the password to something. And uh, up on the screen, on the on, I guess it's not a HUD. It's like know? a holographic display. Exactly, which shows the letters of that you are signing from your hand. That is awesome. Very like I yeah that I was like whoa like that blew me away. Like I never even considered that to be like a sci-fi mechanic. Yeah. Like she walks up to the door, it's like enter passcode, and she signs it with her left hand, and the thing is like password accepted. And opens. Interesting. Super cool. Like really cool. Something so simple mm-hmm. that I would never think of like completely blew my mind. I'm like that opens up so so many thoughts, you know, went through my head with that. It's just such an interesting mechanic. Yeah. Like I don't know sign language, but I mean, it was really neat. And also I just like um I know so, a bit about Fulbright from what I've read on them and Gone Home cuz I I rabbit hole on Gone Home pretty hard. <laughs> and they uh, uh they're based in Portland and they're like 60% female, and they all have interesting backstories and uh, blah, blah, blah. Fanboy. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm into their games, and I'm looking forward to Tacoma. Yeah, cool. Interesting. Yeah. 
In the wangs. In the wangs. <laughs> I'll put together some music for that. Make a ringtone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Touch on the Captain America. Captain America three trailer. Um, yeah. Since Civil we stick, War? try to stick to our, our trailer thing since yeah. we did it in the first one. Um, Civil War trailer, the new one. Um, show has a little Spider-Man in it, which is awesome. And the older uh, suit, too, the smaller eyes. Yes, but the, the eyes are CG, like Deadpool. Mm. Oh. They got big when he was like, hey. <laughs> oh. I'm super excited. I, all these Marvel movies have blown me away. Like, I don't think there's been a weak one yet, as far out of the new batch. Um, well, well, how new? What's the new batch? The though? new batch Since is... When? None of the Fox ones. Was Wolverine going to Japan? That's one of the Fox ones. Really? I I'm pretty sure. X- the Origins? Yeah, I was non Wolverine Origins? That. I just love Wolverine, so. Yeah, you do. That doesn't take a lot. See, my only issue is I'm not big on the superhero. I don't know a lot of the history behind it. But my issue, sort of like the Avengers, is that there's going to be so many superheroes in this movie that they're not going to be able to touch on a lot of interesting character development. It's going to be like... One character flashes on, he does his thing, everybody says, yay, and then he's killed or, you know, thrown out or yeah, whatever happens. Yeah, I, I think a lot of that is, I mean, they all have their own movies for the most part. Sure. You know, and then these Captain America movies are like, uh, they bundle a bunch of characters together with um, Black Widow and... Uh, Hawkeye. Hawkeye and then flying around... Um, guy. Guy. <laughs> Black Falcon. Black, I don't think that's his name. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> that guy. But um, the one superhero other than Ant-Man that you see in Ant-Man? Uh, yes, yeah. the other guy in Ant-Man, correct. Yeah. And Ant-Man's in the new he was, Captain well. America, yeah. which is going to be cool. Paul Rudd's the best. Paul yeah. Rudd is great. I think th- this movie is like an Avengers movie, though. There's yeah. everybody's in it. Because Civil War is... It should be Avengers Civil War, right? if you ask me. And then... They're going to set up, I don't know, they're way out of continuity at this point. Like, oh, basically, okay. the, I think Civil War doesn't go on at the same time as the whole uh, Infinity Ultron. Gauntlet thing. Oh. Uh, Ultron just pops up every once in a while. But, like, Thanos and all that crap, mm-hmm. which they set up, have been setting up with Guardians of the Galaxy and the last Thor, Thor. movie, all that kind of stuff. Hmm. So this one, I'm sure, will set that up a little bit as well. So one thing from both trailers that I... I watched earlier and couldn't figure out exactly why something is going on. Yeah. It seems like there's some sort of global catastrophe where cities are exploding mm. and then somehow That's pretty standard though. Somehow yeah. Tony Stark and Captain America are butting heads over a solution to it. Yeah. That's what, what that was the illusion that I got from, from the, so the Winter Soldier is what I got. Like that's why they were fighting because Captain America is buddies with Bucky. It's a it's uh it's a little bit more that um they don't do a good job of touching on in either of the trailers yeah they tried to in the second one but i think the first one is such a throw you off the scent it's hard to get behind it but the whole thing they're clashing on is a mutant registration act oh or i'm sorry hero registration act or anyone with superpowers so not even heroes per se interesting and tony is all about it tony wants everyone to be registered and then the fear of captain america captain america is all about freedom yeah you know like america totally about freedom (laughs) and um he's like no like we don't need to do that but the reason they're trying to get everyone together is because all these horrible things keep happening okay you know new york exploded Mm -hmm. after the first avengers movie in avengers what two yeah age of ultron yeah age of ultron like shit goes crazy like the whole cities get hulk goes nuts and destroys the whole city just because (laughs) like he stubbed his toe or whatever 
And then they dropped that whole European city out of the sky. Yeah, oh, that was cool. Which was not great. Did you see it? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. That's there a good is, one. There's okay. a European city that floats into the sky and then falls. And then falls. Interesting. See, if they would have touched on that registration thing within any yeah. of the trailers, I would have been so much more hooked. They do in two. Okay. But I think, like, it's not clear enough. And basically, they're split on this issue, and then everyone kind of chooses a side. Mm-hmm. And then shit goes crazy. Like, in the actual... From what I read of the Civil War timeline, comic book-wise, they pull in characters from everywhere, and they use it as an opportunity to get rid of a lot of characters, too. Sure. So they killed off a bunch of, like, really stupid Spider-Man villains. Like, the Punisher rolls in and just wholesale <laughs> kills low-budget <laughs> Spider-Man villains. Like, the guy who's a scarecrow, and he just shoots him in the head, and he's dead. And he's like, you shouldn't have done that. He's like, shrug. <laughs> it's kind of my thing. Because he joins up with Cap. Even though he's not super, but I think sure. he just takes that opportunity to kill people because <laughs> he's a he's a murderer. Is this going to be rated R or thirteen? Thirteen. Interesting. Well, now I'm a lot more interested in seeing the movie. Yeah, me too. I yeah. was kind of nonplussed about it, but yeah. I didn't know the backstory. I think if they follow the storyline more, it'll be great. But who knows? Hmm. I mean, they still haven't introduced a ton of characters. Are they going to take this opportunity to just throw in they might. all these Marvel characters and then like smush them under a bus or something? Like, this is the tie-in where X-Men show up. Like, this is when everyone should bunch together because all, all heroes and villains are, are bunched into this category at this point. Interesting. You know, so we'll see how it goes. There's some stuff I don't want to spoil anything Sure. in the comic books that people are going to be surprised about if they haven't read them. That's for sure. Hmm. Yeah. And they're so. not afraid of, well, they're not afraid of killing low-level characters. They, they killed, mm-hmm. what was it, Quicksilver in the... Yeah. Age of Ultron. Quicksilver died. Spoiler, John. Oh, no. Oh. It no, wasn't a big plot point. It's he like, was yeah. um, he was Russian. What's funny, which people probably already know, but Quicksilver is played by the main character from Kick-Ass. It's the same, oh, really? same guy. Uh-huh. Um, you know the like jerky friend that like they keep snubbing in Kick-Ass? Who's was like, what are you guys up to? And they're like, oh, oh don't, don't worry about it. And then he decides to be a villain in Kick-Ass 2. Yeah, yeah McLovin. McLovin. <laughs> no, that's not McLovin. It's totally yeah, McLovin. It no, no, the other one. It's like their friend at school. It's not Red oh. Mist. He uh, like has an identical Kick-Ass costume, okay. but it's like color swapped. Mm. Well, he's remember. he's Quicksilver in the X-Men movies. Ah, uh, okay. And then the guy from Kick-Ass is Quicksilver in the Avengers movies. Nice. Which mm. is funny because yeah. they overlap. Anyway. <laughs> I really liked how... Um, X-Men did Quicksilver. That was I think that was the best part of that last one. What With the it? goggles? Yeah. He was good. I really like the Avengers Quicksilver. Well, you're a dick. Yeah, well, you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I kickstarted a sticker. You did. <laughs> that's the that's the clip right there. Okay. Just can you make that into like a dubstep remix? <laughs> Kickstarter a sticker. Burr, burr, burr. Jump the <laughs> Thank you for listening to The Legend of Things. Check us out online at thelegendofthings.com. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash forward slash Legend of Things. And for the love of all that is good and holy, subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review. Until next time, this has been The Legend of Things. Thanks.